Hello, friends, and welcome to episode number 262 of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. I'm Patrick. He's Justin. Um, Ju Justin, it's been a while since we recorded because my area got hit by a hurricane and uh, I think it wasn't fun. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I yeah, imagine it, just, it wasn't it, fun. <laughs> no, I mean, it pretty much just like wiped out my entire weekend. Like I just could I didn't get anything really done other than hurricane prep followed by hurricane cleanup. Yep. And that and that made it so even when I got my power back it like it wasn't worth it for us to record because I just did not have the time. Which is fair. It was it was ludicrous. Um anyway, we're back and uh it's kind of cool because in the time that we've been gone, <laughs> the Rangers absolutely stomped all over the Jays at home. Uh, the team was booed off the field <laughs> twice, twice, uh, deservingly. So, uh, the Jays came back and won five straight games against their divisional opponents and, uh, currently sit in the driver's seat in wildcard spot. Number two, yeah. one game up on Seattle and Texas, uh, who are both running out of games to try to get some sort of advantage over the Jays. And we're going to talk about all that math today. And it's kind of crazy how much the swings uh, have been for this team because, I mean, we could go through the whole schedule month by month about all the swings. Middle August, we were excited. End of August, we were sad. Start of September all the way up to September 10th, we were thrilled. And then the four games against Texas was depressing. And then we come back and uh, five straight wins against divisional opponents after just a, an absolutely miserable performance against the American League East for the first half of the year. And now with 10 games left uh, against those divisional opponents, they're only eight games below 500 against the division. I didn't think this would be possible, but... They're, they still got to win a shit ton of games to fix the badness, but, I mean, this team's turning around. So, yeah. credit where credit is due. We'll talk about all of that. We're going to get started, though, with injury and news stuff, and then we're going to talk about Alec Manoa one more time, and then we'll talk about uh, the standings and the math, and then we'll preview the pitching matchups against... Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, tonight it is... Burrios versus Garrett Cole. Yeah, just for context, folks, we're recording this about an hour and a half prior to first pitch of Game 3 of the Yankee series. So yeah. when you listen to this, this will already be out of date. So we're not going to talk about tonight's game. We're going to just skip right on by and focus on the Rays this weekend. All right, take us into the injury report. For sure. So the big thing that everybody wants to know and just recently got some clarity on as the Jays have released their lineup for tonight's game. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Patrick, he is not in the lineup again tonight, missing his second straight game with uh, right knee soreness. The MRI yeah. results came back. There is no structural damage, just some inflammation. He's day-to-day -day at this point. Um, hopefully another day or two of rest will sort Vladdy out so that he can start playing again on these very meaningful games. Um, luckily for the Blue Jays, they've had a nice fill-in at first base, courtesy of both Spencer Horwitz and Kevin Biggio, who have both contributed 
already across these first couple of games against the Yankees and lately in Vigio's case. But we'll talk a bit more about that later on in the show. Um, and other roster news, Patrick Marsh. Uh, Ernie Clement was sent back down to Buffalo. Mason McCoy, who was acquired right around the trade deadline as shortstop defensive insurance for Bo Bichette, has been DFA. And in their place, uh, outfielder Cam Eden has been called up. This man is an absolute like drag racer. Um, he has 53 stolen bases in 57 attempts with Buffalo this year. He's only been caught four times while playing all three outfield positions. And from what I've heard and, and seen online, very good defensive outfielder. Don't be thinking this guy's going to get a lot of playing time. He's going to be kind of how Dalton Pompey was back in the 2015 and 16 playoff races. They're to steal some bases, pinch run late in games in close scenarios for Alejandro Kirk, of, among others. Yeah, uh, teams need that. Yeah, that's kind it's, of, it's a really that's good... That's kind of uh, what Jackie Bradley Jr. and Bradley Zimmer were last year. Yeah, they were some but speed. that's pretty much speed all they had because they, they both struggled so much at the plate. Yeah, it's uh, definitely... Defensively, uh, fine, but yeah, yeah that's it's, the, it's a, the This issue. is a speed and defense move for those late-game scenarios. Extra inning runner to finish out the regular season. Of course, I believe in the playoffs, they go back to traditional extra innings. I can't recall if, they, if they've changed that rule this year or not. But this guy's here to swipe some bags when the Blue Jays need it, score from from first on a double, you know, whatever it may be. Um, don't expect him to get too much playing time, but uh, pretty cool to see a bona fide speedster up in the up in the uh, roster again. But uh, it's too bad for any Clements. I enjoyed seeing him, guy who's got pretty good contact skills. I'm sure we won't haven't seen the last of him. Could be a candidate for a bench spot out of spring training next year. But again, that's a topic for another day um let's talk about a bit more about recent results and the schedule before we get to the alec manoa stuff i kind of want to save that for last time permitting but obviously yeah you, you kind of touched on it it was an atrocious series against texas a four-game sweep at home against the team that uh before the series you were up uh, a game and a half on in the wild card standings and only to to go out um <laughs> trailing them and outside of the playoffs but like you said, nothing cures that like a five-game winning streak against Boston and New York leading into tonight's game uh, with the Blue Jays currently uh, have that lead on the, the Rangers and the Mariners who are both off today but will start playing each other for a three-game series tomorrow. They still play each other for these three games and then they'll also play each other again, Patrick. So let's talk a bit about the math and the scenarios here now. Um, I know you want to talk about this. So right now the Jays are a game up on both Seattle and Texas. If they were to yeah. win tonight against the Yankees, they will enter tomorrow's action a game and a half up. Um, but with one extra game played, the Jays have another off day sprinkled in um, on Monday, I believe, uh, of next week. So the math is fun. The math is the math is fun, and the more you look at it, the more it favors the Blue Jays, just based on the fact that Seattle and Texas have all these games left against each other. They both can't win. Yep, so the way that it's going to shake down is that we're just going to focus for now on the conversation about Toronto, Seattle, and Texas. Mm -hmm. uh, we are going to talk about the the NL as well because I find it very interesting as well. But we're going to just mainly focus on the team that this podcast is about for just for the moment uh, before we talk about uh, Alec Manoa yet again. Mm -hmm. um, so the Toronto Blue Jays have 10 games left in their schedule. 
as do the Seattle Mariners and the Texas Rangers. The Toronto Blue Jays have four games left against the New York Yankees, who are all but eliminated. They have not been mathematically eliminated, however. The mathematical probability is so low that they'll be able to bounce back that it's just, it's not going to happen. Um, they're eight games back of Texas and Seattle. And then they've got six games left against Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa Bay are currently eight games up uh, on the Jays, so it's not impossible for the Jays to pass Tampa. However, the probability is very low, uh, like even though Tampa... Percentage points of a, of a percentage point, basically. <laughs> yeah, the Rays have played two more games than the Jays. Uh, however, they have won those games. So even if the Jays uh, win both of the games they have in hand, they're still only going to be they're still going to be seven games back with if, six remaining. Yeah, so if Tampa wins one more game, it's it's over. They yeah, they won't be able to pass them. So the focus has to be on winning as many ball games as possible in order to kill the runway for Seattle and Texas. Now the way the math works with Seattle, Texas, and Toronto is that both Seattle and Texas can't mathematically both win seven games. It's impossible because they have seven games remaining against each other. Seattle have three games left against Houston. Texas has three games left against, I think it's the Los Angeles Angels. That's correct. Right. Okay. Who are also eliminated at this point in time. Big time. So even if both Seattle and Texas win all three uh, of their games against opponents who are not Seattle and Texas. If one of them sweeps all seven games, Toronto is in it. That's just math. Yeah. That's just math. So when it comes to Seattle and Texas, even if they split the series four games to three, which is, I know is not a split, but it's as close as we can get yeah, with the yeah. math. That means the most amount of games they can win at this point, both of them, is six. Because one team could win three games and then the other uh, yeah, the other team wins saying. four games. Yeah. So that means that one of these teams is going to cap out at 90 wins. So as long as the Jays have more than 90 wins at the end of the season... They're in the playoffs, which so, means so really what winning. you're saying is that unless the Jays lose the rest of their games, they've got a pretty good chance of making it. Even if they were to win, say, four or five and get to 89 or 90, they, they, they might still get in. If Seattle or Texas lose any of their remaining games against their opponents who are not Seattle or Texas, they are in deep doo-doo. Mm. Because even if they tried, for whatever reason, tried to gamify things and split the series four games to three they're in their final seven games, the math still doesn't work out in their favor because they still would have to win at least one more game or tie Toronto because I believe Seattle has... Seattle and Texas both had both the season do. series against yeah. Toronto. The only team that doesn't is Houston in this scenario, who are only a game up on both Seattle and Texas. Exactly. So, so like, it may look stinky right now because... Uh, it's a one-game lead, yeah. <laughs> it's a one-game lead, and both those teams beat Toronto's ass during the season. What it comes down to is there are so many games between Seattle and Texas, unless they split, there's... 
hardly a way for Toronto to get knocked out as well unless they start losing. Right. And then Seattle 90... plays Houston as well, right? So I mean Exactly. So there's another Seattle team that has drug back yeah. into this. <laughs> Seattle basically has to sweep Houston to get to six win six additional wins. And Texas has to sweep the Angels to get their to get to minimum like the six wins if there was a split. Right. So the math is just not in the favor of both of those teams making it to the playoffs unless Toronto loses all ten of its remaining games. Every game that Toronto goes out and wins ratchets up the intensity of the seven games between Seattle and Texas. So so really best case scenario for the Blue Jays is one of those teams just sweeps the other both times and then the Jays are in automatically, basically. Essentially, if they win a couple more games, you know? It's mathematically impossible for yeah. for, Seattle, like for Seattle or Texas to both make it. To, to both make it, even on a sweep, if the Jays win three games out of their final ten. Right. It's It's just... Because if they're one of them loses seven and the other wins seven, that means the other team has lost three and a half games toronto already has a mm -hmm. one game lead if you win two games that means yeah you're ahead you've won so so right now that the, the math looks as though the jays would play tampa in the wild card series because they're likely to finish wc2 since they have both of those teams chasing behind them no this is where it gets confusing because uh, they're not because they only have a game lead on the two teams it is possible for toronto to to you know hum along on their way and hit the 90 wins which will almost certainly get them into the playoffs but if one of those other teams sweeps outright they'll finish with 91 wins uh, yes so toronto is not don't look at it as them being locked in for wc3 or WC2, look at it as there are not enough games against non-divisional opponents for any of those, uh, either Seattle or Texas, to be able to pass Toronto at the same time as they lose games against the other. So it's just too tight. It's a pretty, it's a pretty fair assumption, or not even an assumption. It's a likely, it's a fair likelihood that the Jays will make the playoffs. We just don't know exactly what position yet. As long as they win. Five games, one more basically. as long as they win five games go 500 in the last 10 well okay. six is automatic if they yeah. win six games automatically they will make the playoffs okay. if they win five it's still possible for seattle and texas to get in if they split their series and then sweep the other, the other team that they have left so right right I there is that. a possibility that the jays could be out of a playoff spot by the end of the weekend. However, it is also possible they that they will end up having a three like a three or four game lead over one of those teams. Like if one of those yeah. one of those teams goes on a sweep this weekend, it puts the other team in jeopardy. The worst thing in the world to happen to Seattle at this point would be to lose three games against Texas and then have to go play Houston immediately after that mm -hmm. without having a day off. Because then they have to win all six of their final games, and that's that's hard. That's really difficult. Especially Toronto winning playing good teams. In yeah, Houston like Toronto winning tonight, and then Toronto winning even one game against Tampa 
is it just makes it really difficult because of the number of games have to play each other and people don't realize that they think that right now if you look at the standings like yeah the yankees are for sure out of it but oh yeah yeah yeah. it's not mathematical but it will be after tomorrow but if you look boston will be eliminated too in like another day so boston will likely be eliminated after tomorrow the way you look have to look at it too is one of Seattle and Texas must win tomorrow because they play each other. Yeah. Which will eliminate Boston. Will it will eliminate Boston no matter what. Yep. Um and the Yankees elimination number, depending on whether they win tonight or not, could end up being one or two tomorrow. So they will for sure be eliminated by end of weekend. By the end of the weekend because one of Seattle and Texas Oh, that does uh, ha- bring me joy have to win two games because they play each other so there's no wiggle room left for the yankees they have to win all of their remaining games and they have to hope that either seattle or texas sweeps the other one uh and one of seattle or texas also gets swept by the other team that they play in order for the yankees to have a chance the the eight most beautiful words in baseball patrick the yankees have been eliminated from postseason contention the Yankees have to win all of their remaining games, and Texas or Seattle have to lose pretty much them. every single one of their remaining games, which is, it could happen, it could. but it's, it's, well, not, it's not. Yeah. So, and again, the more that Seattle and Texas uh, split games, I think it gets more nerve-wracking for Toronto. However, if one of those teams sweeps the other, like once one of them wins the fifth out of the seventh games, Toronto's pretty much in. Unless they've lost every game, yeah. So like, they're you they're still in the driver's seat for their their destiny as far as the playoffs sure. go. However, you can't take your foot off the gas at this point. No. Every game has to be treated like a must-win game until you lock in, and then you could be like, okay, who do we need to to have like a rest day before the playoffs? So it sucks that Vladdy is in the situation he's in right now. Um, and it sucks that Kikuchi is dealing with, uh, the trap muscle strain, but I mean, there's, there's enough time. I think Kikuchi will probably be ready to rumble. Uh, he'll get his 11 and a half hour sleep or 14 hour, whatever he was, it is. He was actually, he was joking about that. Apparently <laughs> the beat writers didn't think to ask a follow-up question. That's pretty ridiculous, but yeah. uh, it's also very funny. So the Jays actually, today is their last uh day off until september 25th which would be monday and then after that i think that's it for days off until 162 is played so we're getting down to it justin if you look at all this math and all the silliness we just talked about if you had to place a level of confidence on the jays chances to make the playoffs where would you put it 11 out of 10 you think it's pretty it's a much done, a lock it's a done at this deal. Point? Done deal. Even if they sh- done shit deal. the bed, because they could shit the bed could. mightily against. They're not Tampa. going to. Done deal. No, they're not. Even if they only win like four or five of their remaining games, it makes it so done deal. difficult for Seattle or Texas to pass them. There's yeah. actually it's funny because that seven game set against uh, one another is pivotal and it will be a bloodbath all those games are going to be vicious but the seattle houston series is equally as 
miserable for everybody because again like you said houston has the same record as toronto in fact they have one more loss so if houston falls out because texas or seattle sweeps the other we could be looking at a situation where it's possible where houston misses the playoffs and seattle and texas get in but it's unlikely to knock toronto out at the same time because one of those teams has to make it so I I don't think that Jays fans should stop paying attention to Houston at this point. In fact, that series against Seattle is, could end up being Seattle's like win or go home series. That could be it for them. It's the stakes are really high. Toronto can just sputter along even if they go 5 and 5. It's devastating for the uh, AL West. That's just a fucking bloodbath at this point it's scary i wouldn't want to be in the als right now meanwhile the (laughs) meanwhile the twins 81 and 72 uh there is they've clinched or well they haven't clinched but their cleveland isn't gonna cleveland no cleveland are eliminated from the wild card i think their their elimination number is one for the division yes detroit's elimination number is also one for the division detroit has not been mathematically eliminated yet yeah. To make the playoffs. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Detroit, yeah. yeah. Detroit is 71 and 81 and their magic number is, or their E number is one. <laughs> the Yankees magic number is three. We're on game 152. If I'm the Tigers, I take that as an absolute win to be yeah. playing meaningful baseball in September. No, oh, I mean, is it, is it truly meaningful when you're still nine and a half games back? No. Yes. <laughs> Yes, it is. It's meaningful until you're eliminated, which Boston will learn about you, uh, tomorrow night. You want to hear? This is my crazy stat of the day. Um, Bobachet has 528 at bats this year. Davis yeah. Schneider has 104. Bobachet has only walked four more times than Davis Schneider in five times the at bats. It's 20, 24 to 20 right now. That's absurd. Yeah, David Schneider's OBP is 417 through his first 104 at-bats, which is obviously probably unsustainable. But <laughs> I mean, he's cooled off pretty significantly he has, he, in the last... We, one thing weeks, I'll say, but... he's been hitting the ball hard. He had some hard lineouts that other night, the first game in New York, that one of them had like a 760 expected batting average, but it went for an out. So, I mean, wow. as long as you keep hitting the ball hard, good things will happen eventually. And he gets the ball in the air, so that also helps him. But yeah, he's heading fourth tonight, by the way. But uh, can we, uh, since we're here, just go over the NL situation as well? Sure. It's pretty, it's pretty fucking. There's funny. a lot of stuff going on in the National League. Yeah. So it's crazy. There who's... are only three teams eliminated from the playoffs in the National League. Yeah, there that's pretty sti- wild. Pretty much everybody else. Uh, well, the literally teams everybody else is still alive. Who aren't gonna make it are the Mets and Pittsburgh. San Diego's all but dead, which is crazy considering they have a plus 82 run differential but are three games below 500. They've they've won seven in a row, though. (laughs) They've won seven in a row, (laughs) but actually, San Diego, out of all these teams, San Diego is the one I would probably be more apt to put money on just because of their overall... I think the problem for them is going to come down to their schedule. 
Their schedule because is they're not, not great. Yeah, they they play St. Louis tomorrow, who are already out of it, so it doesn't help them gain any ground on the teams ahead of them. And then starting on Monday, they do play the Giants, but the Giants, again, aren't in the wild card spot right now, so they can't gain on anybody there. And then their final series of the season... It's the White Sox. They play the White Sox. So again, um, can't gain any ground. So it's just... They're really stuck in that sense where even if they do win out, there is still a good chance that they don't make the playoffs because they're not playing any teams that are currently in a playoff spot. So... That's it's the tough thing. They could win every game, and might they still might miss. It's interesting because almost all the teams ahead of them competing for the last wild card spot are struggling. Like yeah. Atlanta locked up, Dodgers locked up, Milwaukee's magic number is three. So any combination of three wins or losses between them and like them winning and the Chicago Cubs losing and Milwaukee has the division locked up. Um, it's most likely, actually, I think it's already locked up that Atlanta and uh, the Dodgers are automatically going to the round of five games, the best five, the second round. I think they they're locked into getting the bye. Yeah. <laughs> they, they don't play in the wildcard round. So Milwaukee will end up playing whoever gets that final wildcard spot. Philadelphia is not clinched and they're because they're recently they've played a lot of 500 ball they're just not they've got a comfortable lead over Chicago but it's not comfortable enough that you could afford to rest anybody with 10 games left it's I don't know Philly are in a tough spot and they do have meaningful games left yeah, they uh, they play the Mets tomorrow. In their schedule. Well, so. yeah, the Mets the Mets are still they're not dying. They are dead though. They got they yeah, are. Eight, eight, they eight got four games dead. left against the Mets and then three against the Pirates, who are technically not eliminated. Uh and then three more games against the Mets who are technically not eliminated. That's pretty soft. That is a soft schedule. You you gotta like their chances, especially being four games up right now. The Diamondbacks uh, have won five games in a row after being dead yeah, and they, then resurrected and then dead. They're riding a roller coaster this season. Well, their games are again three against the Yankees this weekend and three against the White Sox a day off, and they finish off the season against the Houston Astros. That's a tough way to end the season. Yeah. But with those games against the White Sox, and the White Sox have nothing to play for, and they're, they, Diamondbacks are also a game and a half up on Chicago, who are sputtering. That's not bad. Yeah, we, we talked about um, Cam Eden just being called up as a speedster for the Blue Jays. Corbin Carroll for the Diamondbacks. This guy's a rookie, Patrick. He's got 50 stolen bases and 55 attempts and also has 25 home runs. First rookie in MLB history to do it, and he's 23. <laughs> and this he just is where... turned 23 in August. He's going to win Rookie of the Year. I think, oh, it's sure. it's a you could just hand him the award at the beginning of the season. Well, almost. there I heard I read some stuff about how uh, Senga might have a chance. I don't know if that's possible. I I mean I, I, I get it. He's Senga's had a very good second half and like a very good last like three months. But I mean, 
what no. Terrell's doing as a 23-year-old, I think. Unprecedented. Trump's, Trump's the guy. You're literally the first player in MLB history to do it as a rookie. So, Yes, it's yeah. unprecedented. This is where it gets nuttier than squirrel shit, though, is that the Chicago Cubs hold the third wild card spot. Uh, they are 3-7 and seven in their last 10. Miami are half a game back. Uh, they are... They played one more game than the Cubs, and they lost that game. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati are one game back of Chicago. They have lost two in a row. San Francisco are three games back, and they have lost two in a row and are four and six in their last ten. Uh, out of all these teams, San Francisco is the one that seems uh, most likely to fall off, mm-hmm. especially agree. if they lose any games against San Diego. But the fact that Chicago, Miami, and Cincinnati have ten, they all have nine or ten games left to play. I think they actually, no, sorry. Cincinnati have eight games left to play. Miami and Chicago have nine. No, Miami has nine, Chicago has ten. The advantage is with Chicago because they have more games in hand. However, if you play like shit, you don't get in. Chicago could end up missing the playoffs with a run differential better than the Toronto Blue Jays, who could end up being wild card two. But run differential doesn't mean a GD thing if you're not winning baseball games, and the Cubs are not. So it's crazy. Their expected win loss is 85 and 67, Justin, and they're only 79 and 73. That's miserable. Yeah. <laughs> That's miserable. Yeah. Miami is still waiting to see what players come back from injury. Yeah, Sandy Alcantara may come back. That's crazy to me. That's tomfoolery. Uh, Cincinnati are, it, the fact that they are still alive playing They're meaningful baseball this late on. September has to be a would, W uh, for the franchise. I would love Joseph Fado to get one more chance at the playoffs. One more shot at immortality. I mean, he's already, he's definitely going to the hall of fame but he better but anyway. i don't see how he couldn't yeah we'll talk about that at a different time this is not but not, not today <laughs> yeah i i think you could probably pour dirt on pittsburgh and the mets but I, n- not yet probably after tomorrow and then san diego i mean they're hot man it's po- it's possible they it's gotta possible. win every game though they gotta win out yeah they went out and they would only get to what 86 87 wins yeah, and it would be impressive to finish the season winning 16 oh, games have, in a row. They have 10 games left. They could get to 85 if they went out. But that's I mean that would that's not that bad close. especially It'd be close. especially with with Philadelphia not playing that great and Chicago playing like shit. Yeah. It's and then Miami is only playing 500 and Cincinnati is starting to slump and San Francisco is starting to slump. So like they they're by no means in control. By no. no means. The Padres really shot themselves in the foot by being brutal for four months of the season. So Yeah, they really tanked their own season, and now they, they've got nobody to blame but themselves. But I think it would be absolutely hilarious if <laughs> Chicago and San Diego missed the playoffs with such crazy high run differentials, and a team like Cincinnati or Miami squeezes in ahead of them. That's insane. Yeah, I agree. But that's that's um, what happens, though, when you have good pitching uh and and bad hitting is better than great hitting and terrible pitching (laughs) so i mean moral of the story folks don't be bad for four months and you might be able to make the playoffs um let's talk about tampa bay now patrick the blue jays are going to go there for a weekend set 
at the Trop. Last three road games of the year starting tomorrow. And then they'll actually see Tampa Bay again to close the season out at Rogers Center next week. So tomorrow night's game is going to be fun. It's Chris Bassett versus Tyler Glasnow. I'm looking forward to watching this one. A precision pitcher like Bassett, who relies on a lot of deception and just a terrific pitch mix to a guy like Glasnow, who relies on a lot of strikeouts. Um, Glasnow Patrick has only appeared in 109 innings this year due to some injury, but he's got 146 strikeouts. God, Still he's a good. threat. Yeah. And uh, has a very good his, his strikeout to walk ratio is basically five to one. Very close to it. Very that's good. Absurd. Um, he'll, that's going to be a fun matchup tomorrow night. On Saturday, it's, it's Zach Littell, or Little. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he's a very interesting guy. We don't know too much about him. We haven't seen him that many times. He's pitched 26 games this year, half of them have been starts. Most recently, uh, he has been pitching quite well, I should say. Um, against Baltimore last time out, he only went four and a third, but he only gave up, or four and two thirds, but only gave up one run. They just don't, they only threw 55 pitches. I think they just kind of didn't want him to see the, the, the third time through the order. He went seven against Minnesota the, the time out before that. Before that, it was eight against Seattle. So he's he's had some really good starts recently. His last three have all been very good. He's only walked one batter over those three uh, while striking out 15. So another guy that Tampa's brought up who you, you have to rely on hitting your way on against them. He's not going to issue a ton of free passes. In August, in his five starts, only issued three walks. In July, he made six starts and did not give up a single walk. So this is a guy who's got terrific command of the strike zone. Throws a lot of strikes. And you've got to, like I said, you've got to hit your way on. I'm not going to go too deep into the pitch mix because I want to get to Alec Manoa. Um, Hunjin Ryu is going to go up against him. And then Yusei Kikuchi, who had to leave game one against New York with a cramp in his neck. says he's fine. He says he'll be fine to pitch on Sunday. He'll go up against Taj Bradley. Another one of these young Rays pitchers. Uh, Bradley's thrown 95 innings this year, Patrick, uh, 20 starts. So just under five innings per, per appearance on average. And he's another guy who strikes out a ton of batters. 124 strikeouts in those 95 innings. Does give up home run balls, though. He's given up 20 home runs during that stretch. Um, but definitely uh, some guys who have a lot of velocity on this Tampa Bay team, especially in Glasnow and Bradley. And guys who are all pitching relatively well recently. Bradley's not pitching quite as well. He's got a 4.29 ERA so far in September. And uh, a few starts where he's been roughed up a little bit. He gave up three home runs to Seattle, two to Minnesota, and then one to L.A. his last three starts. So he's kind of on a home run spree. But still lots of strikeouts. And we know the Jays like to do that. Michael King made them look foolish for most of the game last night. But, uh, yeah, three guys who can definitely strike out some batters. I think, I mean, the Rays are the Rays. They're all, they're the class of the league as far as player development goes mm-hmm. uh, in the American League. And my my big my fear when it comes to them is just our pitching imploding, um, because they're every game is going to be four to three, three to two. That's how the team. That's how they're built to to gamify right. games. Yeah. So if the Jays bats can bust out then it's going to be a fun weekend but if we have to do this thing where we sit there and watch 
you know, teams have to scratch runs. I can see why they called up uh, uh, Cam, Cam Eaton. Eaton. Yeah. yeah, you can understand it. Um, I think also, I think the X factor in this game or this series, not just the game, is just going to be what happens if Laddie's unavailable. That puts a lot of pressure on Spencer Horowitz because. Brandon Belt is back on the IL. He's not available. And at this point, his back is probably just... It's probably just... He probably isn't going to play anymore this season, I don't think. He's on the IL, isn't he? He is on the IL, yeah. yeah. And we're not too sure if and when he'll come back. Hasn't been too many updates on him. Horowitz Horowitz has been giving... Horowitz has been good? He's been... Yeah, his last seven games, uh, hey, he's cooled off a bit. However, again, like had two six, hits and three RBIs last night. Uh, he had one hit. I oh, sorry, one hit and three RBIs. Three yeah. RBIs last night, but yeah. that's the thing is like he's done. He's come off the bench for like one at bat, and he's got struck out by Boston, and the same thing with Texas. So he's only played one game where he's gotten like more than one at bat in the last seven days. So, mm-hmm. like. I mean, we can be. I'm comfortable with him in the lineup because I he can swing the bat. Um, I think he's the X factor. If he has a good weekend, I think the Jays are in good shape. I also think that uh, another X factor is going to be how they deploy the bullpen. I it is my opinion that they have overused Eric Swanson this season. Uh-huh. Um, and they really need better innings from Trevor Richards and Jimmy Garcia, who, who have had trouble off and on. I think really the main offender out of the two of them right now is probably Trevor Richards. He just has not been good, even in his last 30 games. The numbers aren't good. He got his ass kicked by Texas. He got his ass kicked by Texas. He was good two days ago against the Yankees. It's good to see stabilization, but like, He's got to be the low man, I think, in this uh, in this pen right now. Yeah, it's worth noting too that the rest of the year the Blue Jays are projected to face all right-handed starters. So That's guys like Kevin Biggio and Spencer Horwitz and Dalton Varsho are likely to get a lot, and Kevin Kiermaier too. All four lefties are likely to see quite a lot of uh, appearances, just because they're going to want to space those right-handers out for later in the game. The, That's probably the, another reason why they would have sent Early Clement down. Is yeah, because he wasn't likely to see a ton of playing time as a right-handed bat. The downside is that Dalton Varsho has been absolutely uh, miserable at the plate. Like the he's Blue Jays just... lead the major leagues in defensive runs saved by twenty over the next closest team this year, Patrick. The uh, best we're talking about Dalton Varsho though at the plate. I understand he... that. I'm just trying to quantify that there are contributions being made elsewhere than at the plate. So. Yes, there are. Kevin Kiermeyer is also hitting 167 in his last seven games. So yeah. if there is any time to kind of come on, I think now is well, the I time. I think uh, a visit to his old stopping grounds at the trough will be just what Kevin Kiermeyer needs. I think so too. I think you're probably right. He's quite familiar with that place. <laughs> There's one guy I do want to talk about, and this is a guy who has been shat on for the last four years. Uh, of his pro career, who I think is finally demonstrating uh, that he is worth a roster spot. That's a reference, a very deep cut <laughs> in uh, Blue Jays lore, as well as BFMD lore. Yeah, Kevin Biggio is kind of our Swiss Army knife guy off the bench. 
He can play first. He can play second. He can play third. Technically, he can play shortstop, although I don't think we want him there. And he can play right field. In the last 30 games, Biggio's hitting 282 with a 411 on base percentage and a 365 slugging percentage. That's better than a bench bat. That's uh, that's a, an OPS approaching uh, 800, which in this day and age is all-star. Yeah. Or in Vladdy's case, above all-star level. Yeah, so, Chris Black had a uh, nice thread on Biggio the other day too on Twitter. It's worth noting that um, even recently, uh, where there hasn't been a lot of power, we're seeing in 24 at bats, uh, he w- he's been, he's seven for 24. He's had three walks to seven strikeouts, 292 in his last seven games. Power's not there, but he's you know he's the kind of guy whose on base percentage is going to be close to 100 points higher than his average. And that's the case right yep. now for his season. And uh, I've just been absolutely thrilled. Defensively, no notes. But... He... Yeah, they had a nice little uh, sizzle reel of some Biggio defensive highlights last night. Back in May, I was like, he if he doesn't step up, he's going to be gone. Yeah, and I mean, post-All-Star break, these stats are a couple days old now, but... Um, the chase percentage went from 19 down to 14. He's actually, um, his chase rate this month is the second lowest of his career. And he's having the most, he's having his best year ever against, uh, like breaking pitches. So that's good to know. Um, walk rates gone up to 16% from 7% pre all-star break and strikeouts have gone from 31% down to 23 Average is at 282. On base, 411. OPS just below 800 since the All-Star break. It might actually be above 800 now. These, these stats are, again, from three days ago. So yeah. And his war after the All-Star break, uh, which is notably shorter than the first half of the season before the All-Star break, is just about one F war in that time. So he's eight, having eight. a very good second half. He's been very important with Chapman on the IL, with Bichette on the IL, with Guerrero missing time, with Belt on the IL. But if without Kevin Biggio, this team would have been in a tougher spot. They would have been screwed. And the other guy that does deserve credit is Santiago Espinal has been very good in September. Yeah. He's hitting 355 with a 394 OBP and a 452 slug, mm-hmm. which for a guy that typically doesn't hit home runs, and he hasn't, uh, yeah. he's getting the doubles. He's churning, you know, he's turning around the lineup. He's not even driving guys in. Uh, and he's he's not even walking. It's just he's hitting the ball. He's getting on base, and um, he's helping to keep the lineup moving. He hasn't even scored a lot of runs, but this is what what the Jays have needed from him all year. They needed him to hit it for a high average and get on base and give the team a chance to score. And while he hasn't done the scoring part of it, and the power just isn't there. He's starting to turn it around, um, which is good for a bench bat. Um, I think the competition between him and Biggio is over, though. I think Biggio won it. And I don't know what they do next year with Espinal, but for now, in September, he's performing quite well, and I'm very happy about that. Um, Very quietly, though, I don't know if you've noticed this, but very quietly... Uh, Whit Merrifield has fallen off the planet. 
His last 30 games, he's hitting 220 with a slug of 293. <laughs> he's he's fallen off. Whit yeah. Merrifield had an OPS of 800 not that long ago, and his last like month and a half has been shit. He has struggled tremendously. He's hitting uh, a wonderful, sparkling 220 in September. Uh, in August, he hit 232 after hitting 356 in July. He just he's fallen off. I don't know if it's father time or if it's the yips. Who knows? But the fact that Biggio and Espinal have given what uh, Merrifield cannot, I'm very interested to see how the lineup will be constructed come October if the Jays make the playoffs. Because I would run the hot hand. I don't think you can afford not to. Mm -hmm. Experience or not. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it's... Uh about time that these uh some of these players that we were kind of calling for in espinal and biggio to maybe be off the roster after this season step it up and i'm glad they are so <laughs> let's end on a on a down note yeah let's talk about Alec Manoa. Manoa. there's yeah there's a lot i mean we've we've brought it up but we haven't really talked about him lately because we just weren't too sure what's going on so I'm going to pull up some articles here because I had saved some in the in the notes. But about nine days ago, so just about a week and a half ago here, Ben Wagner was on um, Blair and Barker. And he said some interesting things. And just before that, Ben Nicholson-Smith had released an article saying how Manoa had uh, been receiving some tests um on his, like his 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 arm and his back his knee so they were trying to kind of figure out what was going on with him um but it seemed it seemed like Manoa was probably done then we reported that Manoa had been put on the temporarily inactive list by the Bison so that they could get the roster spot because he was taking up a roster spot at AAA and not actually playing so they did that and then everyone's like okay what's going on so Ben Wagner, voice of the Blue Jays on the radio, goes on Blair and Barker on Sportsnet. And Jeff Blair, this is a transcript. I'll just read it to you guys. Jeff Blair, uh, Ben Nicholson-Smith reporting basically Alec Manoa's 2023 as a pitcher is probably done. Ben Wagner says, it's done. It's done. Jeff says, okay, it's done. So go ahead. And then Ben goes on a bit of a tangent here and says, for weeks I've been led to believe um, this was what will happen with Alec Manoa. It's my understanding that Alec Manoa hasn't even pitched, even in a side session or a bullpen, since he's been um, on the uh, injured list. Or uh, option back, excuse me. And there was a lot going on between leadership of the Toronto Blue Jays, the people around Manoa, about the decision to even option him back and where he would go when he was optioned back. It seemed like the Manoa camp didn't like the fact that his option was coming because it was performance related. Of course it was performance related. He was pitching like absolute dog shit. And then Ben goes on to say, and Kevin, you and I have both witnessed this from major league level to a triple A level. When guys get sent back and it's performance related, they're a little bit salty about it. And they don't like to hear that, especially if they think they can work through things at the major league level and they're progressing. That never happened for Alec. He, he wasn't progressing. So it wasn't in the cards. Ryu was coming back. It was clear this was not going to be a direction that both parties were going to agree on. And that's why there was such a gap between Alec being optioned, failing to report to AAA Buffalo, and then eventually working things out. 
what was the window like two weeks before he actually got to Buffalo. And there was never a timeline that I'm led to believe talking to people within the organization, a timeline to get him back on the mound, even where he could start pitching competitively. Now we have gotten to this point. One, he's not going to be able to ramp up to be back to help the major league team at any capacity at this point in the year. He was taking a roster spot in AAA for a very depleted Bison's bullpen and pitching staff, so they had to make a move. And putting him on that temporarily inactive list was just that needed to be done on paper so that they could actually get somebody up from New Hampshire. He's still in Buffalo, to my knowledge. He's just going through things. And then Barker chips in, must be nice. <laughs> so all that being said by Ben Wagner, he, he kept saying, it's my understanding. I've been told. So somebody within the Blue Jays organization was allegedly telling all these things to Ben Wagner, whether or not they were true or not, or what's going on. We don't really know. And then today we get more information, Patrick, where Manoa has reportedly been receiving injections in his right arm in his recent weeks, which is his pitching arm. The shots were intended to reduce inflammation and discomfort for Manoa. Team doctors have found no structural issues, muscle damage, or ligament tears. The 25-year-old has continued meeting with additional specialists in the last month. Those visits with doctors continue with a view towards ruling out any elbow and shoulder issues, as well as thoracic or thoracic outlet syndrome. Uh, with a week left in AAA, he's not going to pitch again this season. I'm just Googling thoracic outlet syndrome it's a term that refers to three related syndromes involving compression of nerves arteries and veins in the lower neck and upper chest area so i'm guessing it probably lead to some numbness most likely um at the current time alec feels he's not ready to compete so we're going to respect that and kind of move on from it says john schneider that was last week we've been working through every decision with him together as a group and respecting his requests along the way so we're not really too sure what's going on here I don't want to speculate anything. I'm just reporting the facts. But it does feel like there's a little bit more going on to this than was originally kind of reported with when, when Ben Wagner was on that podcast with Blair and Barker or the radio show, whatever you want to call it. Um, my biggest thing, question to you, Patrick, do we think Manoa is going to be able to compete for a rotation spot in spring training? Yes or no? really kind of back me into a corner by saying it has to be yes or no i yes. mean the answer can't be no but no so but it, but is is it realistic to assume that based on what we saw this year that he's going to have a shot at the rotation out of spring training we have to assume the answer is yes mm -hmm. if the answer is no well then that's it yeah and i mean if the answer DFA. being with the answer being yes you would that would probably also mean that the Blue, the Blue Jays don't sign anybody to they fill the Hyunjin Ryu spot. They've got four starters under contract for next year, all four they of which have had great seasons. No, they don't need to. They what what it comes down to is, does Alec Manoa have it in him to do what he needs to do to prepare for next season and be ready to deliver the same yeah. performance that he did in twenty twenty two. Yeah, for and a guy who talks about being this like bulldog on the mound, he hasn't really shown too much of that with throughout the struggles. He's been kind of just mad it's about it. It's so tempting to speculate on the whys and the hows of of the way that this season went down for Manoa, but I think you have to look at it from the perspective of 
yeah, lately he has been garbage, but we also know that he has it in him to compete on a level that would get him votes for the Cy Young Award, which means right. the best pitcher in the league. So that ability doesn't disappear overnight. It's kind of like what Stripling, Ross Stripling has said over the last couple of years of his career. Uh, you know, the best pitchers uh, can sometimes struggle with trying to make the adjustments they need to make in order to continue to be successful. Um, a good example of that would be Tim, Tim Lincecum, who was really good for a few years and then just tanked. Another example we've seen uh, in our own history here with the Jays is Ricky Romero right. uh, or Gustavo Chassin. <laughs> Uh, there's actually Wait, Josh Towers. There's a really long ass line of it happens uh, pitchers yeah. that w- developed that started hot and then just well, I mean, crashed. Look, guys come in opposing teams and hitters don't know much about them, and then they make adjustments. And sometimes, sometimes it's that that the hitters make adjustments and the pitchers don't. And other times, it's that something goes on with maybe injuries, like say Dustin McGowan, right, where they just their careers just get completely derailed or even Nate Pearson where they come in this, this, this hot shot prospect yeah, ravaged by and injury, just yeah. get, it goes both ways. Yeah. But the sure. thing is Manoa has two years of right. What I would argue very good performance mm-hmm, behind mm-hmm. him. He's not a flash in the pan. Uh, the same way that some of the other names we have dropped are right. Certainly. I'm not certainly comparing him to Tim Lincecum as far as levels of, oh, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. of excellence, but I'm saying, Compared to the other Jays examples we provided, I think Manoa was better for longer. Uh, and we also saw there were some starts this season which were not completely unacceptable, if that makes sense. Like, they were okay or serviceable. Some were even good. But an overwhelming majority of it was terrible, and it was a disaster for the team, and it cost them probably somewhere between five to 10 wins at this point in the season. You can see why a lot of Jays fans are pissed (laughs) because it's the difference between fighting for the division title and fighting for their lives with 10 games left to play and having to win five of them uh, at least to lock out the other teams. Uh, And then of course, six of those 10 games are against the Rays who are really kind of the, I still see them as the best team in the division. And I'm not saying that to disrespect Baltimore, Baltimore still have like a, what a two game lead over them. Something like that. Something like that. The division isn't locked up. Yeah. Yeah. The division isn't locked up. I don't think those teams play each other anymore this season, but they're done now. It's two games by the way, with temp Baltimore still has to play today. So, right. So, the division is by no means locked up either. But you look at it, if Toronto had won, you know, even five of the games where Manoa came in and looked like ass, they would... They'd already have a playoff spot locked up, yeah. Yeah, if they were against Tampa or Baltimore, even then, we're talking about like a five to ten game swing in in the standings. Yeah. So, it's... He he's the anti MVP for the team for this season. The some of the the shit that he said in the media was definitely a major distraction 
And I think that is what gained him a significant amount of vitriol in non-Toronto Blue Jays fans and probably Mm -hmm. Blue Jays fans as well. But he's also a fierce competitor who does still have that work ethic in him that doesn't evaporate overnight. So the question becomes, can Alec Manoa get over whatever it is that he's got going on, whether it's physical or mental, whatever. I'm not going to make assumptions. I'm not here to do that. I'm not here to speculate. Any further than just saying, once he gets beyond whatever it is that's blocking him from being successful, the same way he was last year and the year before, if he can't get past that, he's, he's screwed. But he'll get every opportunity during the winter to work things out take a lap, think about it, and then report. I'll be very interested to see what day he reports to Dunedin in 2024. Yeah, that's... It'll uh, say a lot. That'll be interesting to see for sure. But I think that'll kind of be it for us here. The Jays are going to take on the Yankees in Game 3 of that series in just under an hour's time and then head to Tampa Bay for their last three road games of the year. We will do our best to be back either Sunday or Monday. We tried to do it last weekend, but unfortunately, hurricanes had other ideas. <laughs> it's like uh, there's three certainties in life: there's death, taxes, and us not recording when we say we're going to. So, <laughs> I mean, life happens. It's we been do a what very, we can. Yeah, it's been a hectic as hell season. It's been for a crazy summer. All parties involved. It's been yep. immeasurably frustrating. <laughs> Enjoy the final ten games of the season, or you know, don't. Um, <laughs> It's going to be a fun ride to the finish, regardless of what happens. I think it's important that uh, Jays fans uh, just enjoy the suffering of the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox and know that as long as they go 5-5 five and five in their remaining 10 games, uh, it's very difficult for Seattle and Texas. So yeah, tonight's game is big. Uh, tomorrow's game is even bigger, especially if they can win both. That means that Seattle and Texas have to win seven games, uh, I think, or something like that in order to, like, pass them. We've done the math. Look, we've done the math a million times. Just enjoy the games. We'll be back when we're back. And, uh, enjoy Seattle versus Texas. I think that seven, those seven games are going to be probably the best of any of the games for this year that might be some entertaining baseball yeah it's got all the potential for it but uh give us a listen wherever you get your podcasts find us on twitter at bfmd podcast website is the same handle bfmdpodcast.com for patrick out in halifax i am justin here in saskatoon and we'll see you next time